Because if you marry the wrong person, you can be in trouble for sure. So what you have to do, you have to spend a lot of time praying and fasting and seeking God and sometimes fasting to lose weight, to attract the right one. And after you get the right one, it doesn't make any difference what you look like then. But nevertheless, no, I said all that to say this. We do have a very, very special announcement. We're just breaking into the old-fashioned Sunday. I'd like for Yolanda Chandler to stand, if she would. Yolanda's been with us now a year or so, and she's such a precious person. She works for the Snicker Bars company, so when you see her come around, you see her laughing. Well, (coughs) she has this carload of Snicker Bars all the time. More recently, however, she's been seen with Preston Touchstone, and I'd like for Preston to stand, if he would. They have announced their engagement. They'll be married next May. We'd like to give them a big hand, would you? All right. Preston is a member of Parkway Apostolic Church. Great prayer warrior, great Christian. Yolanda is somewhat responsible for winning him to God. All right. God bless you so very much. We appreciate this fine couple. Now, all right. Meanwhile, back on the ranch now, we were talking about the costumes for the best-dressed couple, the best-dressed male, the best-dressed female, and the best-dressed youth. Thank you. We will be given prizes, $25 prize for the best-dressed person. So uh, keep this in mind. I think it's going to be a gift certificate to Mountain Jacks or someplace. Last year it was, but uh, it'll be something that that uh, you will be extremely thrilled about. We want everybody to dress up, everybody to come out, I mean, all dressed up. Last year we had Channel 15 TV station here. Uh, they stayed for an hour or so, ate lunch with us, went through the line three or four times. I kept insisting that they go through, and they really did in, enjoy this. Now, we will be bringing our horses as it stands right now. I'm not for sure that I will be able to ride. I've been having a problem with my knee. But if I am not able to ride, uh, somebody will ride my horse, and it will probably be somebody that has the same name that I have. I think my son is going to ride. So... Uh, uh, John will will be riding my horse, or if he can't, then Lori will be riding my horse. But our my horse will be here. I said, if he can't, uh, uh, I think Lori wants to ride my horse, and John's going to ride uh, Charlie's horse. But uh, <clears throat> sorry about that pun, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my. I was supposed to preach tonight. Now, concerning the menu, what we want all of you to do, now this has been a change, and this is a change to what I told some of you today even when you called. The church will be providing baked beans, barbecues, and hot dogs. So you bring a salad and a dessert, all right? Bring a great big salad and a great big dessert, and we will be providing... The remaining part of it, I think the Sandons will be cooking the barbecues. Uh, Lois is getting the hot dogs directly from Oscar Meyer. And then uh, the baked beans will come from 
a can someplace. <laughs> from from where? From Boston, he said. Boston, okay, from Boston. I thought he said Boston. All right, I thought they made cranberries up there in Boston. <laughs> You know, I could just go on all night with this stuff, couldn't I? <laughs> well, so much for that. Let's 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 go ahead and stand, would you? <clears throat> I do. I really do appreciate so very much uh, all of the cooperation we've had concerning Old Fashioned Sunday. Uh, those that volunteered to help tomorrow in the yard. Those that will be working so hard. I know the way we've changed the schedule around. The first uh, thing that will come to most people's mind is why don't we have a Sunday evening service? Well, the way we've had the schedule before with uh, sing in the afternoon, you know, it gets to be quite a lengthy time. And uh, but uh, I think once we eat and you, uh, or once we have our extended service and go out and eat, then you'll feel like you've been cheated uh, by not having a Sunday evening service. But please keep in mind that uh, there will be a lot of uh, guests here. And, and, and such, and this will give us time to visit with them, set up Bible studies, pray with them, or whatever. At the same time, there are many, many people in this church that have worked long, long, long hours in preparation for this. And, and on uh, Old Fashioned Sunday, uh, there are many people that will have put in many, many hours during the day just for the service. So this will give everyone a break. Good to have everyone here. We want to greet our guests. And then we have uh, children's churches, and they may pass at this time. The stewardship class. We have a stewardship class. I turned it off. Maybe I didn't. It should have turned it all the way off. I turned the power off. Okay, there is a sign language class, too. Six times an hour. That's what's causing that. See, I thought after you left, oh, I know what's causing That's why you get so much of that humidity of that water condensation because you've got to bring it in. And uh, the, the state law now, like down at the office building, you don't have to do that. But where there's uh, over 50,000 cubic feet uh, in one open area where people congregate, you have to do that. And you can't stop this humidity. You just can't. Exactly. All right, if everyone would like to move closer to the front... I say if everyone, most most everyone's gone already. After we have our youth class, stewardship class, three children's churches, and a sign language class, we don't have a lot of people left. But if you will move closer to the front, take your Bibles and turn with me to Galatians 6. I will read a few scriptures. And while I'm thinking about it, Sister Grant and I will be leaving after service tonight. Last uh, year on our anniversary, uh, the church, you people gave us two nights motel 
uh, rooms in uh, in Shano at the Country Suites, and uh, unfortunately, we have not been able to uh, book anything there. In fact, we couldn't even keep our we could not even keep our speakers there this year. Uh, the only way we could they're so booked up there. Uh, we got our speakers for our camp in 1996 and 97. They wouldn't take 98 reservations, but they did tell us, now next year make sure you make 1998. We're staying close to 100%. So we're going to another motel there in the area, but we'll be going tonight and then tomorrow night. And I know we have a uh, revival prayer meeting, and we regret missing <coughs> the revival <laughs> prayer meeting but we have to go up and get our horses there up in Shano so we're we're actually on official business up there rounding up horses you know out to bring back for old-fashioned Sunday but uh, we do appreciate so very much your gift of love to us and we will just certainly take a day of relaxing tomorrow and we will enjoy it Galatians 6 verse 6 pardon me verse 7 8 and 9 be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth, soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. And you may be seated. I... I just simply want to talk to you about you reap what you sow. I haven't talked about this for a long time. I preach some evangelistic messages about this, but I feel that I, I really do need to talk about this from a pastor's point of view. I, I, I personally believe that, that, that some of you in your daily living, that you are not giving as much consideration uh, to some of the very important issues of life, basically your commitment, your fidelity to God, and, of course, to the house of God. So if I start out tonight by stepping on some toes quite firmly, uh, then that would be, a, a you know, a, a good, uh, actually a good way to, to begin. So if you'll just stick your toe out real far and let me step on it a little bit. You see, uh, I know that God forgives, and we we spend a lot of time talking about the long suffering of God and and the mercy of God, the grace of God, and I know that God does forgive. And I do not believe that everything that you sow in life that you have that that you do reap uh, uh, as a result of what you sow. I think that there are certain things that you can do that's wrong. You can ask God to forgive you. He does forgive you, and that is the end of it. However, often when God forgives you and God forgets it, that there have been seeds planted in the lives of other people that uh, uh, you will end up seeing some very horrible situations come out of some bad seeds that you have sown. And, and this this is something that that you, you really need to take in consideration. Now, the law of sowing and reaping is applied 
in, in life all around us. You know, a banker that's spending uh, more hours than required in his business will will usually reap uh, the benefits of a, a more progressive business. But at the same time, it might be that he has neglected his family. And as a result, when he gets where he wants to get financially, uh, as far as his family is concerned, he may not even have a family. He may not have a wife. may not have, have children. Uh, it would just be wise... You know, if a, if a man is spending this many hours that he has a spouse that is understanding, not only understanding, but that uh, she also helps the husband with the, with the children to understand that uh, dad is spending all the hours that he uh, needs to spend in order to make a, a better living for us so that things are not so difficult. In other words, where... There seems to be an extra effort given in one area to take uh, a couple or a man away from his family, or uh, it would be true of, the, of the, the mother that there should be some encouragement given to the rest of the family so that uh, they would understand. Informed people seem to be happy people, even if they are not too happy with what they are informed concerning. Uh, they seem to fare better. Now, I said that to say that uh, uh, there are just so many vast uh, areas in which a, a person uh, sows seed, so to speak, you know, you, on, on your job, uh, in, with your family, uh, in the financial world, uh, physically, you know, if you don't take care of yourself, then you can suffer. Uh, from that, I I personally think I'm suffering somewhat. In fact, I know I am right now as a result of not heeding some advice earlier in in my life. But uh, basically, what you sow is 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 what you get. Even though God does forgive you of uh, certain sins, that may be the end of it. As far as God is concerned, there are certain things that are set in motion as a result of of uh, some of the sowing that, that you have done, that, that, that you have no uh, control over the, over the outcome of it. So <clears throat> when, when you sow naturally, you will reap in direct proportion to uh, that which you have sown. Now when I say direct proportion, I'm talking about the law of the harvest, the proportion of the law of the harvest now, Paul explains this in 2 Corinthians 9. He talks about giving, and I think that uh, most of you, uh, even though a lot of you have no uh, experience in farm life or perhaps putting in crops, you, you, you know that if you plant one grain of corn, uh, that you will get a, an ear of corn, perhaps even two ears of corn on a stalk, and from that will come many, many kernels of corn. Now, 2 Corinthians 9 Paul talks about giving, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Now he's talking about giving, in other words, if you should determine in your heart how much you want to give and 
uh, he is telling us now, you got to keep in mind, however, if you, if you give a little bit, uh, you're going to reap a little bit. If you give a whole lot, you will reap a whole lot. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. In other words, the farmer that goes out to plant the, the crop in the field, if he cuts too many corners and, and he doesn't have a good stand of corn or whatever he's planting, uh, he will suffer come harvest day. And, and, and quite a few farmers, if the stand is, is bad, they will either go in and, and, and spot plant or they will just simply uh, plow it under and plant again. They feel that sometimes it's more profitable to do that. Uh, I was raised in and around a farm, and I know what it's like to uh, just take a big sack of corn and go out in the, with a hoe <laughs> and uh, and literally just where the corn didn't come up, you just chop a hole and put a cor- kernel of corn in it, cover it up, because there's, there will be a harvest time. And uh, you, you work all year long for that harvest time. Now... <clears throat> I said that to pretty much say this, that the person who's living for the, the here and the now, and only for the here and the now, uh, will be bitterly disappointed uh, when tomorrow rolls around. Because you have to sow seed today in hope for a great tomorrow. And this, this is something that is extremely necessary. Now, uh, Paul says in verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. So what he's saying is if if you are if if you're sowing in the right direction, God's going to make sure that divine favor comes your way. And uh, if you sow as God gives you that directive, uh, then you will reap. And, and you'll be happy as a result of, uh, of, of reaping that. Now, the, the thing that I, I have uh, observed, I, let, me just, uh, let me just tell you a little story. Rich uh, Thomas uh, called me the other day, and he was telling me about someone that he met down Stoughton. It was a man that used to come to church here. And this man and his wife were very much involved in the Sunday school ministry. They were involved in uh, puppet ministry right away. I'm sure that uh, some of you, you know, you're, you're thinking of the couple. Uh, they had uh, a couple of children, maybe three, I'm not for sure. I remember dedicating their children. I remember how sincere this couple was. I also remember that they liked to visit a lot. and They, they came out to the parsonage over on Felon Road and visited with us a lot. I did notice one thing happening, and that was that that the, the, the wife became critical of a lot of people in the church. You know, some people just kind of have that in them. She seemed to have been that way before she found God. After she came, she came to the Lord, she, she realized that, uh, you know, she shouldn't be uh, so sarcastic. She was very caustic and cutting and sarcastic and if you said something to her uh, she always rebounded with a very sarcastic remark but 
they were visiting in our home a few times, and I was just amazed at at the number of complaints that she logged against people, you know, in the church. A couple of times I questioned her about that, and and of course uh, she always responded with, "Well, I'm just real concerned about the church." And uh, naturally, you know, if you hear me preach like this, you know, I'm concerned also. I'm very, very much concerned. And sometimes I log, you know, the major complaints here at Calvary Gospel Church. But but there is a way and a means, you know, in which that is is done in order to order to accomplish a, uh, you know the right result. Well, <clears throat> the the husband of, of the uh, of the family was a quite a passive type individual, and uh, you know he could just kind of work around a lot of things and not pay much attention to it. But uh, I noticed after a while, he kind of got caught up in this too. Well, I talked with them about this, but they, they just didn't seem to listen. After a while, they started missing some services. And then they missed more services and more services. After a while, this couple that had really been blessed financially of God, they began to back off on supporting the, the church with their tithes and offerings. And uh, so uh, they were they were backing off. If you've heard me teach in a Christian stewardship class, I I use them as, as an example of a couple that were so broke, and they had an old car, and they put that car together with several different cars, and different color of cars that they found in a wrecking yard someplace. We called their car the the Holstein because it mostly had black and white. Uh, uh, parts. The door was black and the trunk was black and the quarter panels on the car and the top was white and the hood was white and one fender was black and and so we call it the Holstein. They were really blessed of God. God just really blessed them. But I saw them backing off after a while. Then they began to question holiness standards and why do we have to do this and what about this and what about ladies uh, not cutting their hair and Versus ladies cutting their hair, and you know they just they just had all kinds of complaints. And then, as they went further and further away from God, uh, then they came up with this that uh, nobody nobody cared, nobody loved them. I, I'm really amazed. I don't know that it's possible to leave the church without feeling that uh, nobody loves you. It just seems like it happens. I know last year I was dealing with an individual, and and so the wife was still attending. The husband had dropped out momentarily, and the husband was saying, that, well, nobody loves me, nobody calls. And so the wife shared that with me. But uh, then the wife came around and said, you know, <clears throat> my husband said uh, he uh, was, was really kind of uh, disturbed that so many people were pestering him. Now, I mean, isn't it strange that, that, that one week nobody loves me and the next week too many people are pestering me? I don't want to be pestered. I don't want to be bothered. You know, you know when, when, you get, when you get crossways with God, things just don't work out good. They don't. And it's almost like a, a person who has a, a chemistry problem, a physical chemistry problem, where one day they're up and everything is happy-go-lucky and the next day they're depressed. 
it is that way, you know, when when God deals with you and talks to you and encourages you and you pick yourself up and then uh, all of a sudden you you kind of hit the bottom and things don't things don't go good. So this couple, nobody loves me. Well, uh, at any rate, Rich told me, he said, you can't guess who I bumped into down in Stoughton. I said, who? He said, well, and he told me. I said, well, what in the world? I said, what is he doing? I haven't seen him in so long. He said, well, Brother Grant, he just, just got out of prison or jail. Prison. Just got out of prison. I said, out of prison? What about his wife? Oh, they're divorced. She's been gone a long time. And, you know, I thought of the many wonderful times we'd had together. I, I remember the puppets that they put together. They had such great expertise. Going out on the bus route, working, talking to people about God, how they need, needed God. And drugs is not the answer. Alcohol is not the answer. All of this. And return back to that same lifestyle. What about the children? You know, well, I don't know about the children, you know. I, I, I just, I, I, just, just the thought, you know, of something like that, it just, it's, it's a horrifying thought. I mean, what about these precious children? What about these children that you dedicated? What about these children that, that were old enough to pray at the altar? And you were responsible for taking them away from the house of God. You were responsible for that. You purposefully led them astray. Only because that you couldn't discipline yourself uh, to think positively about some things. Oh, yes. Calvary Gospel Church, like every church on the face of this earth, has monumental problems among the people. When I say monumental, I meant... I just look at my own self. I look at the things that I'm working on in my own life. I'd be the first to tell you as I stand behind this pulpit and address you tonight that there are many, many things about me that I personally just dislike. I've been working on some things lately. I'd like to become better. I'd like to be a better husband. I'd like to be a better pastor. You know what I'd like to be? I'd like to be a better preacher and a better teacher. I'd like to be a better father. I really would. I have three boys, and I'd, I'd really like to be a better father to them. I'd like to be a better grandfather. I really would. And I prayed about all that. And there are times when I just, I weep and cry with the fact that I just make so many mistakes. See? And then I talk with you. You come in the office, and you talk to me like you, you think I never have a problem. And you tell me all about your problems and trouble and everything. Well, I said all that to say this. We'd, we'd be most foolish, wouldn't we, if we rose up and we, we just looked at all the faults of somebody else. Especially not knowing whether that person is, you know, sometimes we deal with the faults of someone else like they're happy over the fact that they're doing wrong. <laughs> and many times they're, they're not. They're, they're very saddened over it. And, and they're, they're weeping over it. And they've been, they've been praying about it. They've asked God to forgive them. But to let something so simple as a critical spirit take you away from the house of God. Now, what it is, because you found fault in everybody else, after a while you turn around and you look and you see your life. It's in shambles. See, Amos said you sow a wind and you reap a whirlwind. 
and, and, and you reap it to the point that children are taken out of your home. Uh, divorce takes place. Uh, prison sentence is invoked. And now what am I going to do with my life? That's the big question of this man. What am I going to do with my life? Well, it's, it's amazing that if you choose the wrong road, you'll, you'll reap the, the harvest of wherever that road leads you. You know, there's something I think that, that, that I really need to stress to you, especially if you have young people. You need to teach young people that you're going to reap what you sow. You really need to teach them that. that that's one law of God that they need to be taught. You're going to reap what you sow. You're going to reap what you sow. And it doesn't hurt to give examples, too. Now, I gave an example. I since I've been pastoring, man, you cannot believe the number of people. I've known of youth leaders that fail God, that today their they're, they're children are just far, far away from God in trouble. I had a youth, youth pastor in Texas that he was so successful and doing so good. And after a while, he got so spiritual, I couldn't tell him anything. He just, I mean, he was just spiritual. I mean, he jumped around all over the church. And he was a great guy. But he got so spiritual, nobody could tell him anything. Everything he wanted to do, you know, was, you know, there's, there are times when you want to do something, you just got so much energy, you know, you really want to do things. And and, and sometimes it's, it's hard to pass judgment on what you're doing yourself. You need somebody else to help you. Well, it reached a point I couldn't help him. I wasn't spiritual enough for him. The last time I was in Texas, I inquired about this man because I, I saw a, a relative of his. Oh, man, he never goes to church. That man is so bitter. His wife tries to go, but dear me, he gives her just, he makes just hell on earth for her. That's the term that was used. What about the children? Oh, well, the boy's been in jail a few times and. Don't know what he's doing now. Oh, yeah, he's been married twice. Yeah, he's divorced, though. You know. You know, you think about You think of what would happen to your precious children if you, if you failed God. You took them, out of, took them out of church. Then you look at those coming on. Fred and Michelle are expecting their baby. You think... Uh, Brother Fred, what if you hadn't found God? That child was born to parents in the world. Didn't know God. Got messed up on drugs and alcohol and such. As a result of maybe something you did. You know, you, you see that all the time. And... and <laughs> And to know, you know, that we, we, we do serve a God that, that will do anything within his power to, 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 to turn us, to get us to thinking right. You, you know, you think of Israel. It, Judah especially, 490 years of being a nation, around 500 years, close to 490-something years. And, and then you think of them taken away into Babylonian captivity. Now, the thing that God 
puts in Scripture that seemed to be responsible for their decline was the way they treated the Sabbath day. Now, God talks about that a lot. In other words, their attitude toward God and their worship toward God was responsible for all these other things. The way they, they treated the Sabbath. He said, you know what? God said, you know what you've done? He said, you have desecrated the altar of God by bringing these lame sacrifices. Not your best. You know, you give your best to God, not your worst. Try to figure out what I don't need and give it to God. See, that, that's, what, that's what God was saying. See, God expected the first fruits uh, from them, which was indicative of the, of the time. And you bring it, but, but you've got to bring the best. I mean, the very best. You don't sell the best, you give the best to God. And, and you know, when I, when I recently read that, I, 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 I just challenged myself. Am I giving my best to Jesus Christ? Am I giving my very best to God? Now, let me, let me just challenge you. Now, we're talking about reaping what you're sowing. If your quality time is spent on satisfying yourself and doing what you want to do, now, you mark it down, God's going to get even. You don't mock God. The giver of life has set certain things in motion. You can't do what you want to do and get by with it. You can't do it. So God says, okay, you go ahead and do what you want to do then. And they did for 490 years, you see. God's wheels of justice, they turn very slowly, but they grind exceptionally fine. And all of a sudden they were carried away into Babylonian captivity. Do you know how long they were in Babylonian captivity? Seventy years. Do you know how many Sabbaths are in 490 years? Seventy years worth. For every Sabbath that they put God secondarily. God got it back when they were in bondage. You don't mock God. You know, if God has filled you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the paramount issue of your life should be, I want to please God. I've got to give God quality time. I've got to build some fences around my life and say this is devoted to the Lord. That's the reason why that I I stress church attendance. I've, I've stressed it more recently in recent years. And you know, there, there's some people not here tonight. I can't get can't hardly get everybody here to preach something like this to them. Just can't, you know. Because after a while, so you build these big blocks around yourself. And you say, this is mine. And I want to do what I want to do. And you end up giving God the fragments of your time. You think you're going to do that and get by with it? Absolutely not. If nobody's ever told you, let this preacher tell you, the Bible is real. And God is alive. 
And there's a law that's in motion. And you may think you can break it. You may be able to defy it, but you won't break it. You may say it does not work. It will work. And one of these days, you will begin to reap the horrible consequences of putting God secondary in your life. You know, this is the reason why I, I have to stand and, and apologize about the prayer meeting. You know, seriously. Let me, let me just let me explain something. What if you uh, are Mr. Average brother or sister in a church and you come to Calvary Gospel Church for, uh, you know, your, your tenure on the earth and you bring your children. Well, let's suppose you never bring them to, to a prayer meeting. Or let's suppose that you... You don't put emphasis on prayer meetings. Now, let me ask you this. What about those little children by your side? How much emphasis do you think they're going to place on prayer? And what's going to happen when they get in trouble? You may say, oh, they'll know God. They'll know where to run when they get in trouble. What makes you think they will? You don't know enough to stay with him. When you're in trouble, what you think you're going to do? And, and, and yet when they get with the wrong crowd and go the wrong way, you say, well, they should have known better. I taught them better. Oh, you did? You actually did? See, you need to teach those children that they reap what they sow, but you need to believe it yourself. You know, it's it just, well, I just told Sister Grant today, uh, we're talking about a couple, and, and with just general information, just some information I found out, and things weren't going quite so well. She said, well, I just, they're such a good couple. I wonder what. I said, well, hon, just you and I talking now. I'm, I'm not their judge or anything, but you've got to put God first. You've got to put the church first. Let me, let me explain something. If, if you're moving from here to ten buck two, I don't care where it is, and if your primary concern is your job and not the church that you're going to be attending, don't expect it to turn out good. Now, it might turn out okay. You know, I've known some sinner people to marry some saints, and it turned out okay. But that's an exception to the rule. It doesn't always work that way. So you follow what I'm saying? See, there's no real guarantee that even two Christians, if they get married, that things will turn out right. I mean, you've got to make it turn out right. You know? Isn't that right? But I mean, you really have to. But... If you defy the law of God and you go into it defying the law of God, well, you, you have to understand that there is a principle that's set in motion and, and for the most part it's going to be fulfilled. Now, please understand, I, I did say this, that, that, that you don't always reap everything you sow, that there are certain things that, that, that you can repent over and that's the end of it. And, and, it, and it's okay because... It affects you. But certain things that you may repent over, but you have sown seed in the lives of others. And that continues to grow and bring forth a harvest. 
You follow what I'm saying? You know, here's something I've talked about, uh, and, and this this is kind of a kind of a situation. And you know, Sister Grant and Charlie can tell you that one thing we do is we, at least we try. You know, every time I leave the church and go home, there are things that I have to work on to make the service better, the announcements better, the the prayer. You know, something we get we got to have to work on. But on Sunday, which is the day of worship. We won't talk about anything negative. It's a no. Not too long ago, there was a real sensitive thing that I felt that we need to talk about. But, but I realized that when we got into it, and we were talking about something that involved the three of us, that, that I realized that, hey, this is going too deep. But, but that I mean it's going to affect our attitude when we get to the house of God. And we can't solve it today. So I said, okay, this is enough. We're sitting at our, our dining room table. Sister Grant and Charlie are witnessing us. This is enough. Now, we're going to talk about this anymore. But it's something we need to, yeah, I know, but we can't solve it. We're getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And you know what we're doing? We're setting a climb in our own lives that when we get to the house of God, we can't be blessed. And, and Sunday, this has got to be quality time. We need a refreshing that comes from the presence of the Lord. Now come Monday, it's a work day. It's another day. It's the day I take care of problems. We'll jump in with both feet and both hands and we'll do everything we can to solve it. But there's no need to just winding ourselves up like an eight-day clock on Sunday, come to church on Sunday night, and it's just in our mind, what are we going to do? What are we going to We can't solve it today, so drop it. You know? Not too long ago, a gentleman came to me and said, I don't understand. Brother Grant, I've just had so many problems. And he goes on and 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 on. But I remember sitting in my garage on the, on, on the fender of a car many years ago, and I told this man, I said, you know, what, you know what's going to happen to you? Because you see nothing good in anybody. You're sowing seeds to destroy your children. If your children grow up with one ounce of respect for anyone in any position of authority, it will surprise me. They were taught that school teachers were all crooked and, and that, that they were all corrupt. Are they? Not all of them. Praise the Lord, Sister Kitty. Some of them, oh yeah, some of them are, but so what? You know? They were taught that, that, that policemen, all policemen, were, were the biggest violators of the law. Do you believe that, Brother Grant? Absolutely, I don't believe that. Oh, but I knew this policeman, every time he'd go out, you know, uh, to check on a robbery or something, he'd open the trunk of his car and just load it up with, with things from the store and report that this was stolen. Did that actually happen? I don't know, but I heard that it did. But that doesn't mean they all do that. And another thing, you boy, you got to watch preachers because preachers try to dominate you. You know, they try to tell you how to live. They'll just take your collar and squeeze you to you. You know, there's not much life in you. And you say, oh, yes, yes, yes. I don't, you better watch preachers now because that's the way they are. Are they that way? 
Absolutely not. <laughs> now, what are we going to do? You see, what happens after a while, then the tables are turned where you're not respected yourself. See? Don't know why my kids don't. None of my kids respect me. If I was hurting, they could care less. It's the way you raised them, sir. What you taught them. Now you see, <clears throat> there is a there is a plan in hell to destroy the human race. Now I believe that with all my heart. The devil has a plan to destroy the human race. And this is the reason why there's there's so much of this filth that's being vomited out of hell. Is it okay with you if I share some of my concerns about some of your living? Well, I'm going to do it anyway, okay? I just thought if I got your approval, you'd feel better about it. I want you to feel good about this. But, you know, I'm, I'm disturbed about some videos that some of you have been watching. Because I, I hear people say, well, we watched that. Oh, yeah, it's got a bunch of square words in it. But, you know, you have to overlook some of that. Now, here's the thing that I, this, this is what I'm hearing, okay? This is the line of logic. I, I just, I, I've, I've carefully thought about this. They said, oh, but you live in a world and there's swearing out there. That's true, there is. You may say, what's the difference? Well, the difference is this. That if I went over to my neighbor's house just to be entertained by swearing, then naturally I have a problem. And you see, the thing about it is when you're trying to, when you're entertaining yourself and you purposefully get these things, you know, there's a, there's a vast difference. Let's say, let's say that, uh, you know, every time you turn around, especially summertime, you know, here in the college town, all the ladies want to pull their clothes off, you know. You see these these ladies running around with little or nothing on. But there's a vast difference in seeing them there than there would be, let's say, if I just went down and got a, a bench on the Capitol Square just to watch all the ladies that come by in shorts. If you can't see that line of logic, <clears throat> there's no need me talking any further. You know, this is the reason why I have never told anyone it's a, it's a sin to watch television. Because I don't believe that. Now, I believe what you watch determines whether it's a sin or not. And sometimes, you know, you don't know whether it's right or wrong until you watch it. And if it's bad, the damage has been done. But at the same time, I tell people, don't put televisions in your house. Now, let me explain something. You see, what you do in moderation... If you're not careful, unless it's carefully explained, your children don't take it that way. You watch what I tell you now. I'm the pastor of this church, and I've talked about this and talked about it. But as many people now in this assembly that have televisions, you give give us ten more years, and, and everybody in this church is going to have a television. You may say, well, what, what about it? Because when that happens, everybody will be watching anything they want to watch. Am I, am I scaring some of you? I'm serious with you. 
this has happened to other churches. You understand what I'm saying? See, the United Pentecostal Church, we as Pentecostals, and I, and I know we have some new ones here, and we have some people here that are guests of ours, but, but we're very conservative. You know, some, one person said, Brother Grant's picky. Oh, yes, I'm picky. Sure. When, when our boys are growing up, I'd let them go swimming, but you've got to go swimming someplace where there's nobody else around. I mean, if you're going to wear those shorts, you may say, oh, they're just a man. Well, so what? After a while, then the ladies wear the shorts. You may say, oh, what's wrong with that? Well, after a while, then they're laying on the beach. And then they're coming to church in shorts and, as Brother Billy Cole said, halters that don't halt. And after a while, the, 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 the precious, sacred move of God that we're experiencing. Let me tell you something. We had a man to visit this church only about a month and a half or two months ago. And he was in one of our churches that decided they didn't want to be in fellowship anymore. And when he walked in here, when the service was over, he came to me and said, Brother Grant, pray for our church. We don't have a move of God like this anymore. We're not hearing much about Jesus preached anymore. Well, I wasn't his pastor. But I thought later on, because he opened the door, I should at least tell him, at least what you need to do, you need to do what the Lord spoke to these precious people in the churches of Asia to do. He that overcometh. If everybody else in the church does this, don't you do it. If by everybody else in the church allows this, don't you do this. You know, I, that's the reason why I stood behind the pulpit and I said, now some of you have swimming pools. Make sure that you put up a privacy fence. You may say, oh, we just, we just when we're swimming, yeah. But after a while, you know what's going to happen? Your precious little children will be laying on the beach someplace. And after a while, they're going to be caught in the nude with somebody. Now listen, this pastor has lived long enough to know that I am telling you the honest to God truth. And that's the way it is. Seriously, you gotta take these you have to take these issues of life very seriously. And if you don't take them very seriously, listen to what's gonna happen. You will destroy your walk with God. I have never seen a spiritual giant. That did not have strong convictions. Never. I have never seen it. But you show me someone that's careful in their lifestyle. That watches what they do. What they say. What they tell. And I'll show you someone. That has power. With God. Now, obviously, some of you are just going to go ahead and do what you want to do. Well, that's your prerogative. I mean, you're a man and woman of the house, you know, but listen to me. It's not going to be well with your children. You watch what I tell you. Because you're sowing seed right now that unless you reverse it in a hurry, you're going to reap a whirlwind. And you're not going to be happy. See, there are certain principles 
And if you defy those principles, you have absolutely no hope of things being different. Aren't you glad you came to church tonight? <clears throat> Praise God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm <clears throat> Listen to me, seriously. I, I'm saying this with as much love, but with as, as much concern as I know how. Really. When's the last time you prayed at the altar with someone? Been a long time, Brother Grant. Let me tell you something. You know what you're going to do then? You're going to teach everyone in your family that lost souls and the winning to them to God is not important. This is the reason why that a lot of people then change their doctrine. Because if you have a form of godliness, but you deny the power thereof, you will change that. After a while, you know, it doesn't make any difference. Everybody's saved anyway. I'm here to tell you. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. I think you, I think you need to just tighten your belt and become more conscientious in the way you live, what you say. Attendance to the house of God. Putting God first. Praying with people at the altar. Bring your, your own children. What you do at your home. What you do on your vacation. Those little eyes are seeing you. They know all about it. It, it, it is very, very important. Now... I can't get this off my mind. I got to go back to this television thing. If I walked in into your mother's house and you were sitting and watching a movie with your mother on television, I wouldn't want anybody to jump up and start apologizing, Brother Grant. Brother Grant, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, because I have never said that watching a movie on TV was a sin. Now, certain ones are, you know. It'd be different. It depends on what you're watching. But now, if you were sitting there giggling and laughing over somebody swearing and a bunch of people nude and everything, that'd be different. But I'm talking about you're just something on, you were watching it. I wouldn't want you to jump and say, oh, Brother Grant, I'm sorry. You, No, I wouldn't want you to treat me that way. I wouldn't want, to, want you to feel indifferent. But I do know this. That see that constant feeding of the things of Hollywood and the things of the world just reprograms you, so that after a while you're not sensitive to God. You you'd rather stay home watch the Super Bowl than you would come pray a sinner through to the Holy Ghost. You may say, "What's the solution?" The solution is that you have to get the thing out of your home, Because after a while, you know, they, oh, they got a special on Sunday night, so I, I'll miss. You know, you can go to church any time. This special is on one time a year. But they have a special every Sunday night. I've had people tell me that. You know, they tell me without any reservation, oh, I stayed home and watched a special on TV. Then after a while, it's some televangelist that's pastoring you. Well, guess what? My time's up. Everybody stand.
So much for that. I'm not going to say any more. This is just the way I want to end it. Just like this. No fanfare. Nobody weeping or crying. Turn around and shake hands with someone and say, Hey, that Pastor Grant's really a great guy. <clears throat> say, We love him. Pastor Grant's a great guy. We love him. I wish you'd preach this on Sunday night. I didn't know all these kids. I thought they were, for some reason, I was thinking they were all going to be here. You know the problem you have with Sunday nights? You get some many visitors. Why don't we do this? You know, we have to end everything a certain way. I mean, it doesn't have to be the same way each time, but it's got to end, hasn't it? What would be a better way to end this than get your family and find a place to pray? Now, if your children are in a classroom, husband and wife, pray. Talk about this. Say, hey, you know, Brother Grant's talking some sense to us tonight. And if you say, well, he's not talking sense to us, <clears throat> then, then pray extra hard. <laughs> say, he's really talking to us tonight. He cares. I do care. I care because I know God cares. And I know that God specifically talked to me. I've, I've never had a struggle like I had just putting this together. And I said, well, there's no need to putting it together. I just say what I've got on my heart. You just need to go through your house and, and pick around the things that's no good and throw them out. Don't, in other words, don't let the devil come in. See, don't let him set up a stronghold in your household. I remember Brother Cunningham, he said this at camp, and then Billy Cole said this too. He said, well, they say the devil comes to every church service. He said, I don't believe that because we got the Holy Ghost. We can, we can, we can, well, the devil would be crazy to come around here. Well, that's also true with your home then. You can make your home a sanctuary, a place where the presence of God abides, a place where the holiness and the Shekinah of the Lord rest. Why not? Why not make your home a stronghold for righteousness and holiness and sacredness? Why not pray all the devils out of your household? Praise God. All right. Get your spouse or a loved one or someone. Pray with someone. Just find a place to pray. After you prayed, you may consider yourself dismissed. Again, I sure love all of you. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord, prepare me.